0: everybody welcome to mormonish i'm rebecca
1: and i'm landon
0: and we have an amazing guest with us today we are so excited to welcome marty onto the show she is um has a wonderful podcast called where will you go and in addition to that landon why don't you tell us some more about marty
1: well marty's a a, was a member of the book club that we started uh we met her at a uh, john delin event uh one night uh they came over, Tom was out looking for people and brought them over and uh, we just uh, became friends ever since. But uh, Marty uh, has been doing this podcast and she is a kind of a coach for inter- how to do relationships and how to talk to people who have a different belief than you. And so, Marty, uh, let you kind of introduce yourself.
2: Yeah. So um I guess, uh, so yeah. Uh, Landon is referencing that I'm a ref for three practices and that's an organization and they have circles, zoom circles where you can call in and have discussions around different framing questions. And I just ref us. So I make sure people follow the rules. Um, that's really cool. We can talk more about that later. That's and right. um, yeah, I have an interest in trying to have relationships across different divides, whether it be political or religious. And I've been, Yeah, trying to answer different questions around that for myself and then sharing what I've learned. So that my podcast is um, a lot about relationships across different divides and then just talking to people that don't think the same as me and trying to be curious and understand where they're coming from. So.
0: Yeah. And that's super important this time of year. Absolutely. We've touched on that in another podcast, um, our episode last week that, you know, you're coming up against family um, this time of year and you're talking to people who definitely, I like how you say it, a difference divide. That's exactly it. You may be on different pages now. So yeah, we're definitely going to dive into that for sure. So uh, before we start that, Marty, could you just, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us kind of who you are and just any little thing you'd like to let us know.
2: Yeah, so um, I I grew up in the church, so that's all I knew for a long time. Um, met my husband, um, I got married young, uh, graduated college, moved out to Colorado for like seven years, moved back to Utah, and then shortly after, um, it's hard to describe a faith crisis in like a sentence, <laughs> but ultimately <laughs> hey, you have like an hour go ahead all right this is mormonish go ahead. <laughs> um so i guess i i kind of followed james randy and i kind of lost my belief in the supernatural a little bit but i was still making church work in like a jordan peterson kind of way which is like this pragmatically true or it's still good the fruits are good and um so i was kind of living like that for a while and it's it was really hard for me to be on board with some of the claims that we make about, for example, really basic ones like Joseph Smith finding physical gold plates. Like I didn't feel like I could believe that, but, um, a lot of church isn't necessarily about that. It's about becoming a better person. And I could still participate in church in that way. Um, but I also was finding myself stuck in, a rut. Uh, I couldn't, I kind of was starting to, develop, to de- develop a belief that I couldn't change or become better because, um, like I couldn't read my scriptures every day. Like there, whatever I tried to do, it would last for like a week and I just couldn't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I also lost my belief that, uh, spiritual witness was a good way to know things. So that was making it hard for me to feel like I could get a testimony. Felt what like, was
0: the time frame for that?
2: Was it kind uh, of
0: low progression or was it something that happened relatively quickly once you deconstructed one thing or?
2: Um, I feel like what kind of happened is I had a moment that I still remember I was out on a run and I was listening to Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris discuss truth. I don't know if anybody's followed their progression of conversations, but it was a very long podcast and they talked about nothing really, except for the definition of truth. And so for some people probably have been pulling their hair out. Like, why won't they get to the good stuff? Right. Yeah. But they didn't feel like they could move on past that, that topic unless they could understand each other, what truth was. And um, it was interesting because both of them agreed that honesty was like, we had to be honest with what we were thinking. And then for some reason they were talking nothing about Mormons. Maybe they did. And it sparked my interest. I, I don't think they were talking about Mormons or Joseph Smith, but in the, while I was running, I was like, do I actually believe Joseph Smith had gold plates? And I realized that the answer was no. Yeah. And so I was trying to figure out what that meant for me. And I was like, uh, maybe it's maybe it's not a big deal. <laughs> I don't know. So that's where things happened for me, where I, I started to realize, like, the more I was understanding about what other people think and just learning, I, I was like, I'm losing my confidence level that this is absolutely true. Um, and I kept on getting the feeling from talks from church that that was the goal in life was to gain certainty, right? Like to gain a testimony and a sure witness and be positive that this is the right thing so that you can share it with the whole world. Right. And I was just finding that as I was learning more, I was, losing confidence. <laughs> so
0: that's such an interesting way to say it, yeah. but that describes it absolutely perfectly. Did you, I'm just trying to picture you coming home from the
2: run, saying to your husband, guess what? I all of a sudden oh, realized that I, I, mean, <laughs> I didn't tell funny? anyone. Pretty In private, fact, yeah. It was all on my thoughts. And so like, yeah. here I am trying to say what I was thinking. And I don't think your thoughts are as articulated as how I have to say, give you an idea. and so really, the idea was really jumbled. I guess is a good way to put it. Um, But I do remember having the thought, like, do I believe Joseph Smith really had physical gold plates? And I remember thinking, no, I don't. Um, So I don't know. So I was still practicing, like everything. My husband wouldn't have even known, right? And I didn't even know. Like, I wasn't even sure that this was a problem. (laughs) Like, so yeah, it's really hard to describe. But um, eventually I... Um, I would say this was kind of an off and on. I'd have a desire to talk to my husband or a desire to talk to a brother that I have that I already knew was agnostic. That was that's a whole other story, but um he's fairly friendly toward the church. And so I'd want to talk to him, but I was like, I don't feel like I can talk to him until I talk to my husband. Like I felt like I was cheating on him by not letting him know. <laughs> and in the end, I really think it was probably a good move for me because I think it slowed down the process and we were able to go through things together versus me going on on my own and then being in basically a mixed mixed faith marriage like I don't feel like we ever were in a mixed faith marriage and I don't know that would have been really hard so I think I knew that would have been hard for me and I think I was protecting myself from that I don't know maybe not I don't it's hard to say um I didn't even know what that well I didn't even realize that was a thing like I didn't know about John DeLynn I didn't know about um any, I didn't know about this world that we're in right now. <laughs> I had no idea it existed. Know.
0: Well, and that's so funny because you, <laughs> you arrive at those, those thoughts on your own. A lot of people have that misunderstanding. Oh, someone was influenced or they knew about all this out, like you said, the world. No, you just yeah. arrive at
2: it. It's just a very just, organic
0: just, process, it's different for each person, but you just arrive at it.
2: Right. I kind of gave myself like a, a bit of an outsider test of faith, I guess. And I was realizing that I I don't know. I, I had that before, too. Like, I remember in high school thinking things like it's a good thing I was born in a church because I never would have believed this. <laughs> like So <laughs> so I kind of I kind of felt like I was born into this family for that reason. You know, like I still believe. I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, I did talk to my husband. I think I went through that for it's hard to pinpoint when that happened. I know when that podcast happened, but it was roughly like three years before I ever said anything to my husband and it just kind of came up organically in a conversation. We were talking about how, how we um, were going to improve our family home evening and our come follow me lessons for our family and stuff. And I, I don't even know how it came up, but I I basically was like, I doubt that I'll actually be able to do that because I was in this rut of actually feeling like I couldn't improve anything, (laughs) let alone spiritual stuff. I just didn't feel like I could change myself. I kind of, was like in the deterministic mindset that like I am my genes and my and my um you know history up to this point and there was really nothing I could do about it. Like I am what I am and I I can't get better. Like it was really a pretty bad rut to be in. Um I think a lot of times spirituality like the church can get people out of that rut, but it was causing me to be in that rut. So it was uh yeah it was kind of depressing. (laughs) So um so I told him about how I didn't know the church was true anymore. I think I might've worded it something like that. And he was freaking out for like 24 hours. I didn't find out until much later, but he he said that um, he was like, what does our eternal marriage mean nothing to you? Like, so he was having his own on his side, like what's going on. And then he came and talked to me like 24 hours later. And he's like, what does this mean? I'm like, nothing. I, I want to try still. I'll still try to try it. I just don't think it's going to work. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> how I put it. and. He was bothered that I wouldn't just pray about it because I kept on telling him, even if I got a spiritual witness, I would doubt it because I'd be afraid it was me wanting to believe it. Like it was me creating it so that I could believe it. He, he couldn't understand that. He couldn't understand why I didn't think that was a good way to know things. <laughs> so, um, But anyway, yeah, so we decided to go ahead and try to do better um, with things. It was... It was like two months after that we got asked to like speak in church and my husband's topic was how do we know by reason or revelation and I was like wow that's kind of on topic <laughs> topic <laughs> and um and then my topic was why we should listen to general conference so it was the Sunday before October of 2019 and hey okay, oh, go sorry um so then uh yeah, I gave a talk. It must have been decent because then after that they called me to be in the young women and which is kind of crazy that that was going on and they had no idea just for my, I guess huh. Um anyways, when I got called um I was pretty upfront with the bishop about it and I told him where I was at spiritually and that I didn't feel like I could know. And he was really compassionate. He was really awesome about it. And he said, I, I really feel like this is where you should be. So accepted the calling and I served there for, um, a few weeks. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I have a spiritual high because I was honest with the Bishop. He didn't take away my temple recommend. He didn't, um, yeah, he, he let me serve in a calling in fullest way that you possibly can be in a presidency. Right. And so that was huge for me. And I take off the back burner to read saints because we had a state president in Colorado that said, everyone needs to read saints. And so I got off the back burner thinking it was going to be like, <laughs> it was going to be like 13 miracle or 17 miracle, miracle miracles, or it was going to be like the legacy movie. Like in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I could use some pioneer. Um, I could use some pioneer testimonies, right? Anyways, that's not what saints is, uh, for those that are listening that have not read it. It's probably the most transparent history uh, that I had ever read up to that point, because basically all the rumors that I thought might be false, I found out generally historians believe are true, right? And they were spinning in a faithful light, and it wasn't good enough for me. Like, the, the, the way they spun it, it was clear to me, for the first time, like in my adult history, like the first time in my history, I looked at this and I went, Wow, the church is biased. And I it never occurred to me that church was biased before then. Even with all my doubts and stuff, I I still felt like maybe, hopefully, the church was the most the closest to God's church, right? Like it was still what it claimed to be, even in an imperfect way. Um and then about halfway through Saints, maybe. I had a conversation with my husband and basically let him know, I kind of want to see what the critics have to say about the church for the first time. And then got on Reddit and within like five minutes, someone referenced the CES letter. And then <laughs> I was, I was reading the CES letter, read it in like a day or two. Um, yeah. And then wanted to resign right then. And my husband was like, whoa, 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 calm down and that and i and i was like yeah you're right that's probably a little it's a little preemptive being that i just like this has been such a short amount of time right um ended up baptizing our daughter still in december <laughs> or january actually and then right after she was baptized um, we kept going to church the week before covid shut everything down was the first week we tried another church we went to a presbyterian church and then COVID shut everything down, we didn't go to any church, and then I felt like, I felt like having that, like, things turn off during COVID, I hated it, because I didn't get to know or connect with other ex-Mormons, but I think it was good, we had, there were some good aspects, like, we were able to disappear quietly, too, so there were some benefits there, but anyway, and now we're kind of here, definitely went through an angry phase, and I feel like I've, kind of came out of that and just, um, I don't know. I'm just interested in maintaining relationships at this point.
1: At, at what point did you tell your parents or, uh, other <clears throat> close family members and, and how did that go?
2: Uh, we told them pretty early on. Um, we told them before the baptism because we were afraid there wasn't going to be a baptism and we wanted them, give them a heads up of why. but, um, we kind of, we we were in this place where we didn't know where we were going to go, right? We didn't know a year from then if we were still going to be practicing or if we were going to not be practicing. It was hard to imagine not practicing. And it was also hard to imagine practicing. Like, felt like we had to just, like, we had to make a decision for two bad choices in front of us and we had to pick pick the least bad one. And We didn't know which one that was at that point. Um. So the decision Kevin or my husband made, was if if he um, didn't do it and we kept practicing later on, he'd probably regret it versus if we left and he did do it, probably wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. And so he talked to the bishop about it. Again, the bishop was way cool about it. And he basically said like, yeah, I have like a drop of faith that I could say that, yeah, I, I hope it's true, but <laughs> I don't really think so. <laughs> but anyways, um, and the bishop yeah, was really cool about that. it. And he's like, yeah, well, he just kind of said, you're being honest about it. There's probably a lot of people that feel the same way as you and they're not being honest about it. So I'm not going to punish you for being honest. So wow.
0: Bishop anyway. roulette, you won that one. That sounds yeah. like a very, yeah. He's, national we're
2: national still friends with him. He's really awesome. Wow. So. That's really lucky. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So we did tell our family really early though, right at the beginning, we had one brother come to us. I was like, how's this happening? What? You guys were like what I was trying to be like. How can this be happening to you? Like, anyways. Um,
1: so how to go with the with the parents, were they receptive? Was there friction? It was hard on
2: them. It was hard on them. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of confrontations with my dad for probably a couple months straight. I was going over there quite a bit. I was helping them on their the farm and uh so i was there a lot and it seems like he wanted to bring it up almost as much as i did because i did too right and there's just a lot of negative interactions um i talk about this on when we did the good book club for dummies um and then also for I, i published that as a podcast episode but I was reading a book and I just realized that I need to start focusing more on what we have in common than what we don't agree on anymore. And that really helped our relationship a lot. So
1: is that what led you to, to the, uh, three, um, three practices? Were you concerned because of the relationship with your father or was it neighbors or what, what led you to uh, that and say, I need to find a way to talk to people. That's not (laughs) confrontational.
2: Right. I think my drive for that was just that my biggest fear in leaving was losing friendships. And so I think in my mind, if I could maintain those friendships and I could do what I needed to do as far as life decisions of not practicing in that faith, right? Like I can be a not practicing LDS person. I mean, (laughs) I know it's possible to have friends with people that are not LDS, right? Like why can't I be that person? So um, I knew it was possible. And so yeah, I was trying to do everything in my power to maintain those friendships cuz that's what was important to me. So, yeah, I, um as far as the my dad's my the relationship with my dad, I think sometimes when you have a closer relationship you kind of take that for granted and so you're willing to talk about some hard stuff. And I just I realized um while I was reading a uh, listening to an audiobook that like we haven't been like <laughs> there's like a 5 to 1 ratio that David Osler, Osler brings up in his, um, Bridges book. Uh, so do you guys know, have you heard of that book? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So Bridges yeah. ministering to those, uh, who, how does doubt or yeah, I it, can't remember. Yeah, I think it's that. So, um, question, I think, Western. ministering to those right. who question or right. anyways, but he brings up that. Uh, ratio and I definitely was not having that ratio with my dad. If anything, it was backwards. Like I was having five heavy conversations for every positive interaction with him, and that definitely I want to describe was straining. What that is a little bit just so people who listening, if who are listening, if they don't aren't familiar with that, right? So like you have a conversation, with, you can have an uncomfortable conversation with someone. Maybe you're having a disagreement, or it's. I mean, you just feel when it's a heavy conversation, you can feel it. Right? There's tension, and it doesn't feel good. And I do think those conversations need to be had if you want a deep relationship with someone. But um, the idea is that you need to have five positive ones. So ones where they're light and they're positive and you enjoy being there. Obviously your psychology is like, I don't like having that feeling. So you're not going to want to be around that person anymore.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. I kind of found uh, with my mother, um, we, we just avoided conversation pretty much because it would come to that. So she'd like, call up the the institute teacher from the class she was taking say will you talk to him you know instead of us talking uh because she didn't want to do that and we really haven't recovered from that it's we Mm -hmm. we don't talk much and it seems like anytime we go to a family event the church always comes up you know you, you can't even i'm the oldest i'm the oldest boy my dad has passed on um so whenever it's time to choose someone for the prayer at a family gathering you know typically that would fall on me but since I'm not uh, worthy, I guess, to to be doing that, uh, I, I, I'd say I'm not worthy, but, you know, because I'm not a believer, I, I'm obviously not worthy to do that, they think, so. In their you know,
0: eyes, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: in their minds, and then and then you have to, you know, it, it, it goes to a brother or something, you know, why don't you pick someone or whatever, you know, so that that's been a challenge for me is I've never had the the one and five, because we never, it seems like we can't have a conversation that doesn't eventually come back to the church at some point and turn negative. So I've just kind of, I love my mother. I know she loves me, but we just kind of avoid talking because we know it will, it'll go somewhere. Have you experienced that? Or I, I think a lot, of, I think some people may have the connection like you have where they can have those deep conversations and other people are more, you know, surface and, and, just avoid them.
2: I I would say that I don't, I can't remember the last time my dad and I had a conversation like that. Um, so I think when you're going through that phase, I think is when you're wanting, you're like, you're, it's almost like, I, I definitely feel like I did this as I was leaving. I wanted everybody to know I did everything right. I followed all the rules. I am not leaving because I'm lazy. I'm not leaving, you know, like all the reasons that were taught that the reasons people leave, I was like, it shocked me that I was raising leaving because my intuition was telling me, like, there's a, there's a problem here, right? So it it was shocking to me that that wasn't ever a reason I thought of that that thought that people left, right? And so it was so important for me to. It's almost like there's like this social currency you have. And you don't want to lose that like within the Mormon framework
0: yeah.
2: and you worked so hard. I don't, I don't know that. I mean, I'm not saying that people that are doing all checking all the boxes are doing it just for the social currency, but there is a social currency and there, and there is on this side of it too. That's just life, I think. Um, And you don't want to lose that. You want to like maintain that and still leave. And I think at some point you just have to accept that that's not a social currency that you're going to have to go, build up your social currency with other things. You know, like it does not even make sense what I'm trying to, I, I don't know. I'm thinking off the top of my head here. No, I've never no, had this.
0: <laughs> no, that absolutely makes sense. And I think you protect the currency. Like, I mean, I admire you so much for letting everyone know in your family where you are. I admire Landon um for doing the same. My situation, no one knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I, I have imposter syndrome, but it, it's just impossible. My parents are elderly. There's no way they would even understand. So in my mm-hmm. mind, you know, I'm maintaining my currency. I'm, I'm doing it to be kind because they just honestly would not understand. I have one sister, you know, she knows a little bit more about where I am, but I've I've never done what the two of you have done with different results. It seems like in Landon's, you know, Casey's just avoiding those conversations. You are in a place where you can have those conversations. So um, I don't know. Or just do be or,
2: or right. just be okay with not having them too. Or just like, be okay with not having it. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And that's how I'd say it's been lately. Um, however, if, if I really wanted to ask one of my brothers or, even my parents, something like some, a burning question that I really wanted to ask them. I feel like I could, like, Mm -hmm. it's just that, and I don't even feel like it would hurt the relationship. It's just, I've gotten to a place where I'm not curious about where they're at because I already knew where they were at, you know, like (laughs) I, and I'm not interested in giving them new information that might set them that I I really do think that confronting information that like from saints, it's is better when you are the one willingly going out and getting it. I guess I, I don't want to throw that at any but at anybody, right? Because you're think not going to just... give
0: that as a Christmas present to people that no. you. <laughs> well, it's funny though. I'm pretty sure my mom read it. So, oh really?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Different perspectives, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. For some people, saints like you is the nail in the coffin. Other people find it incredibly inspiring. So yeah. you never know how someone's. So well, and your your children were younger. Yeah. Um, which I'm always very jealous of, I raised my children entirely in the church and that's its own set of circumstances. But so how did you discuss it with them? How, how is that going with the children?
2: Uh, COVID helped see like nobody yeah. was going to church, yeah. right? So they friends weren't going to church. We weren't going to church. Um, we've kind of, as church started back up, we kind of left it up to them whether they want to participate in the activities and they actually do participate still, um, our records aren't with the church anymore. So we're just, you know, that neighborhood kid that shows up at the activities. I mean, I know when I was doing activities, I was always one of those kids. Right. And now I understand why, (laughs) but, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So early on, I remember my kids being scared that we were going to leave the church. Um, but through COVID and stuff like that, um, like I, we have one daughter that is, I don't know how to describe it. Um, She's more open, I would say, to like going back to church, if that's what it is. But we ask her specifically about going to church. She's like, no, it's boring. So it's not you like. You always count just, on that.
1: Yeah. 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 I, I found that I found that kids, the kids were a lot easier to talk to than the parents. Um, my You know, my kids were older. Uh, I had one who was uh Already out of the church, uh, she left for a boy. Uh, but then she found other things out, uh, so she kind of knew things before I knew them. She never really discussed them with us. But I had a boy on a mission. I had another boy who was going to go on a mission. And when we gathered, when we gathered uh, them together to say, you know, hey, I don't, I don't believe anymore. Um, that I, I said, but I'm not going to tell you why. If you want to ask me, you can tell me, Uh, or I'll tell you if you, if you ask, if you want to know, and none of them ever asked, they, they didn't, they didn't really, it didn't seem to bother them. Uh, I mean, obviously they were a little upset at first, but once they started seeing, okay, I don't, I don't need to ask dad why uh, I'm fine. And eventually almost all my kids are out now. Um, and they've never asked me anything. They found it out on their own. Uh, so I found with the younger ones, it was much easier. But with a parent, they almost, uh, you know, they it's kind of, you know, oh, I raised you better. I need, you know, why would you do this to our family? You know, you're separating our family. And in my case, my father's passed away and my mom's just waiting um, for him you know, she's waiting to die and go be with him. And I don't want to have a conversation yeah. with her saying, Oh, this isn't true. You know, and here's all the things I found. I'm I'm like, I just want her to be able to go, but we can't get together and, and not church comes up and we not start knocking heads together. So it, it, I think it's a little different for everybody, but I, I definitely think yeah. telling the kids was for me easier than telling the parents.
2: Yeah. We were pretty honest with them with what we were thinking, though. We just kind of were straight up with them with where we were at. Like when we were uncertain, that's what we told them. And we asked them how they were feeling. And I remember that's what when my one daughter said, I'm just afraid that we're going to leave. I'm like, you don't have to worry about that. Like, if you want to go to church, I'll support you. We'll go to church together. Like, not a big deal. But yeah, after COVID, they didn't want to go to church. So it it wasn't a thing. In fact, I've been to church. And that week that I did go, I asked them if they wanted to come with me. They're like, no. (laughs) So, anyways um no it's it's interesting I I think it is hard for a parent probably and and not in just like some I think as a parent you teach your kids stuff and when something's important to you you'd hope it'd be important to your kids right and so I'm sure it is hard. And and then also I think there's a lot of promises that if you're faithful, that your kids will be faithful. And ultimately, I wish the church would teach that agency is a bigger thing than that, than faithfulness and your kids will be faithful. Because I think that was hard for, um, I think it's been hard for my husband's parents more than mine. Because like I had a brother that kind of went through this in his own way right after he came back from his mission. And so my parents had kind of, I think, already gone through that before, and so, so they were more ready for me to tell them that. I guess if that makes sense. I, I but think that's
1: sure. kind of the key what you just said because for a parent, it's kind of a reflection on them and their
0: totally
1: how they raised you. You know, it's yep. kind of a reflection yep. on them. Whereas when you're a parent going to the child, you don't really see it as a reflection of the child you know you're telling them hey i learned something so it's kind of a little bit different i think i think that's kind of maybe the key yeah it's difficult
0: but then you wish you'd learned it sooner because like me i have three sons two are fully in one on a mission you know and so I raised them. You know, I did this. I always say Yeah, so that's the hard part. I are did feelings this. <laughs> too. I did this, you know, somehow I did it. So so tell us how you um got involved with the three practices or it, we're just, you know, part oh, yeah. of our our program for this month is trying to answer questions about how we do have these conversations and maybe techniques or strategies to be able to, you know, have conversations and interactions so that everything remains positive,
2: which is I think what we all want. Yeah. Okay, so three practices. Um David Osler was in the restoration table Facebook group. And when um the musket fire talk was given that was really big in that Facebook group, and there were a lot of um there, there were just there was a lot of contention there around that and there was a lot of disagreement because in that Facebook group there are members and uh people that have left. And so David also, I'm not really sure how he found three practices, but that's he um, created a three practice circle around that. And I can't even remember what the framing question was, but there were a lot of participants and I experienced what a three practice circle was. And I was like, wow, this is a really cool tool. And so we kept on trying to do some three practice circles um, there. They weren't quite as attended as that one but David uh, tried to start a, a bridges LDS bridges group where he would host these circles and not enough people came for it to be worth the time. So there were like five of us refs that he helped us fund. He helped fund our training. Cause when you do the training, it costs a bunch of, like, I can't remember. I think I put a hundred dollars toward it, but I think David also did more, way more than that. I want to say it was like 500 or something like that to do the training. And so, um, he kind of gave me a scholarship, if you will, to go through the training. And after I did that, um, uh, yeah, we tried to do those circles and they just weren't well attended. I think if people knew what they were, I think they would have been, um, but uh,
1: can, can yeah. you kind of describe what they are um yeah I know so yeah, i attended too i think yeah. it was
2: absolutely fascinating so yeah, yeah. I describe it's so there's a framing question um i think i think i did one where it was something like um shoot i can't i don't know i should just so if you go to threepractices.com, they have ones that are upcoming and you can look also look at a list of previous ones that they have done. Sometimes they're politically driven. Um, I wish I had one off the top of my head. My mind is but drawing are definitely blank.
0: questions where people are going to be fairly passionate on either side of it or have some definite points of view, even yes.
2: completely at odds. These yes. types of questions that you address. Yeah, something like uh, how do you feel about your family member that has left or stays in the church or something like that. I can't remember. I I did. So anyway, you have a framing question. And there's like a little intro video to like help you understand what it is too, that we always play. And then uh, you go at the very beginning, the rules, rules, they're really not that complicated. Honestly, you could sit in a room for like five seconds and then figure out what the rules are yourself. You don't have to have them read to you. (laughs) But They do go through the rules so that you can feel comfortable participating if you want. You can just watch. Um, And so you get a volunteer to respond to the framing question. You have two minutes. So the ref will hold up a timer and say, you have two minutes to respond. And as soon as you're two minutes up, you're done talking. And then people can ask you clarifying questions beginning with, I'd be curious to know. And then those questions aren't really supposed to be that leading. They're supposed to be genuinely curious. So you get to practice being curious and then the person has a minute to respond. And so you might get um, like maybe four different people asking them clarifying questions. And then you go to the next volunteer that will um, talk for two minutes on the framing question. And what I've found when I first went to them, (laughs) it was interesting because I would go to a circle and then be up all night thinking about it going, I should have said this, I should have said this, and just so concerned about how I wasn't able to get my idea across. And the more that I've gone to those, the more I've realized that's not about them understanding me or me convincing them. It's about me practicing listening. And so I wouldn't say you should use this as a tool uh, to convince anyone because that's not what it's good for. (laughs) It's good for you to practice listening. So and I think that that tool is probably the number one thing that when you talk about relationships, what do they say? Be a good listener, be a good listener. But how do you even practice that? Right? Like when you're in the heat of the moment, you can't help it. Like you're emotional and you are like mad, you're angry. You're like physically mad. You know what I mean? You can feel the heat in your chest and you're just pissed. (laughs) So, and that's how it was for three practices when I first started going to them. And I can't say that I've, I have really learned to let me tell you what the three practices are. So the first one is I'll be unusually interested in others. The second one is I'll stay in the room with different. And the third one is I'll stop comparing my best with your worst. So I don't think you'd get that from just going to one circle, (laughs) but as I've gone to a bunch of them and I've ref and stuff, especially, I don't know if this would happen in all cases, but I've got to know some of the other refs that definitely think differently than me. And I've just really been like, I admire, I admire them, some of the qualities they have, how, how curious their questions are or how, um, how well they are able to sit in the room with difference when I know someone's saying something that they probably disagree with. And, and so then you, um, you start to really be able to not compare your best with someone else's worst because they may disagree with you on something so
0: that's a big anyway. one the, the one thing i learned that i still use all the time is i'm curious to know yeah. That is just <laughs> such a great way to ask something because You're just saying you're curious. Please tell me your point of view. It's non-threatening and you can kind of go back and forth. So I know that's the very simplest level of that, but I really definitely having attended a couple took that away that if there's ever a situation where I feel like it might get a little dicey, I will just say, I'm curious to know. And who can disagree with that?
1: (laughs) An an example of that, you know, uh, just recently, I don't know if, uh, Marty, I don't know if you've seen in the news, this gold statue of Joseph Smith. Mm. Uh, that they put in india and i can just see you're going to a uh, a family gathering uh with with your relatives who are believing and one of them might say oh wasn't that incredible that that golden statue of of joseph smith and uh, a way to answer that R- rebecca you you would say yeah. i'd be curious to know why you think that is is neat, you know, right? It, it what
0: resonates with the statue, resonates with you? you. Yeah, why
1: is <laughs> that? Why do you think that is cool? And you may have a completely different opinion, be going, I'm thinking that's idolatry <laughs> or something. Uh, but 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 you listen to why they think it's cool because right. they may have a legitimate reason for why they think it's cool, right? Um, but but you haven't thought of it yet, so right. uh, that was what I thought was. Was cool about the the thing is it made you sit back and listen and say, okay, he's got a different point of view. Let me at least listen to it, and and see if I can understand it, uh, even if I don't agree with it.
0: Right, yeah. very true. Yeah. And you know, I forgot. I want. I forgot about the restoration table that you're involved in. That's another amazing place okay. where you're trying okay. to build the bridges. So yeah, talk about that. I I that slipped my mind to ask you, but that's another amazing thing you're you're involved in.
2: Yeah. Um, so Steven Penneker, that's how I found him. He would, when he was first starting up his YouTube channel, he put links to his videos in there. And I, at a curiosity, went over and looked at him like, wow, this is so cool. (laughs) So, um, I, I haven't been as active on Facebook period. Um, I, I have, I don't love Facebook. Uh, I don't like social media. It gives me anxiety. So I just don't, I'm not on there. Um, So I didn't even have a Facebook account. But when we went through everything, I had a strong desire to connect with people. Um, And so I created a Facebook account because I ran across uh, uh, Tony Fieldson's YouTube channel, which is also called the Restoration Restoration Table. Um, He put out a video right after conference of 2020, I think. And uh, I never listened to conference better than... The one right after my faith crisis. (laughs) I don't know if you guys are the
0: same, but I I was listening every word, right? I'm curious to
2: know why you would say that. Oh man. It was actually a huge disappointment because I was, it's so interesting. The world revolves around me, right? (laughs) So (laughs) every, all this clap, my collapse of belief happens. And then I'm like, oh, now the church is going to change and be like, and just come come clean with everything. Cause I found this out and it's been happening for the last 10 years. So of course that's not what it was, but they doubled down on the restoration, the first vision story. And I was like, what? I thought they were going to come oh, out with this new, like this new, um, first vision story that incorporated all the versions and they didn't. And I was, they just, it felt like doubling down. They were just going to totally ignore all of the, I don't know. So anyways. Um, I was disappointed to say the least, but uh, I found a Tony's YouTube channel and um, he's like, yeah, we have the restoration table where all can come sit at the table. Everyone, there's room for everyone. And so I created a Facebook account just to get into that group. <laughs> so um, anyway, it was good for me. I think uh, I met a lot of members that admit like they don't try to. I don't know how to explain it. While keeping their faith, they're able to say, yeah, I I can understand your point of view. Basically, they're just, there were a few people in there that they acted in a way that I wanted to stand up for them too. Like I wanted to stand up for their belief and be like, you know, it's sometimes ex-Mormons are unfair too, you know? Um, And so
0: it's a place where practicing Mormons, nuanced Mormons, post-Mormons can all interact and all are appreciated and discussed
2: and and in a civil way so that's yeah that's... there were definitely some fires and yeah i was on the really tell us <laughs> <laughs> well like tony tony invited me to be one of the admins and there was like a group of us all of us admins i can't remember anyway and we were we would have meetings to discuss stuff and we were all pretty active on there for a while and then it kind of died off um i don't know if it was really active because of covid Like, this was all happening right during COVID, right? Um, So maybe that's why people had more time. Um, I haven't figured it out, but it has kind of died off. Or if there was just a new swath of people that were coming through, and I noticed that as you leave the church, you kind of go through these stages, and maybe there were a group of us that were going through these stages together, but then it became uninteresting for people just entering. Does that make sense? Like, I don't know. I know
0: there's a progression. We see that in the book club, don't we? You know, we'll want to read, I got to read blood of the prophets, Rust Unrolling. rolling. The rest of us are like, give me a good astronomy book. Let's read some philosophy. You know, you definitely are on a journey and that's okay.
2: So yeah, I don't know if it, so it's not, if someone went to go visit it now, they'd they'd probably be like, what is she talking about? But (laughs) it was in its day quite active. And it, it helped me a lot. I met some people that I just, I, I think are fair thinkers and, um, it was interesting to find those people so i
1: I've, I've got a question uh in in my family we we've got a lot of boys four four boys and two girls and we're we're very passionate when we get together with uh, with our arguments we have very lively discussions and i'm the only one who's out and sometimes you feel completely you know outnumbered mm-hmm. uh and, and and you get frustrated what what's your recommendation for when that, when that happens? Is it just walk away? Is it, uh, you know, what's the, what's the strategy there to calm yourself Mm. down and get back into focus?
2: That's a good question. When I have, when I have get togethers, it's interesting. So I've got a brother that's kind of on the same page as me. So I'm never alone (laughs) if we're going to have one of those. And he is, he will always get the questions going. Like he will ask the questions everybody's thinking about, but maybe want to keep the peace so you don't bring it up. He'll ask them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what my best advice I, I'd say ask questions. Right. So you can, so you can ask them questions and just. Um, yeah. Cause you don't have to convince them of anything, right? But right. I think uh, it's a good opportunity to do some street epistemology, right? Are you familiar with that?
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely. That is, that's great that you brought that up. That is extremely helpful if you can master those techniques Yeah. <laughs> and walk that tightrope, right? So no, yeah. I think that's good. I mean, I, I'm more of a, it's all understood. Don't ask, don't tell kind of when I'm with extended family, the Mm -hmm. ones that do know where I'm at, you know, like I went to a homecoming this morning for a niece, you know, in this family and they know where I'm at. They're not going to bring it up. I'm not going to bring it up. There's tons of common ground that we can focus on. Obviously there are some places where it does come to a head and we just try to on both sides really remove ourselves from those points where that might happen. And we try to absolutely focus on the common ground. Cause I think we both, we both realize what we could lose if we do let it come to a head like that. So we just, you know, and I don't know, some people might say that's not healthy, but that has worked for years. And so my husband Tom and I can still be really good friends with these cousins that we go out with all the time to movies and events and things. And we just, do mm-hmm. not go there. We that's not don't. the thing you have in common. So there's no yeah, need. It, to luckily, it it's not the thing we have in common. Yeah, absolutely. There's more to it than that. Whereas with my family, I think maybe the one thing we do have in common is church. And so that's why I really don't go there at all and don't mm-hmm. even reveal who I am or, or what I really think. So it may land and depend just on the relationship and what you're trying to gain from the interaction, what you're willing to lose to gain what you want to gain. You know, there's all those dynamics that are in there.
1: Yeah, I've, yeah. I, I think I've also found that um, when, especially when, you know, you, I think one-on-one is a lot better way to have the conversation because, you know, you can, sometimes you can have that breakthrough where you're, you're openly talking. I, I know when I've been in groups talking about it, there always seems to be that one person who absolutely has to defend the church no matter what you're bringing up. And, mm-hmm. and you just can't get around that, you know, and, and then it just stops all conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it seems to me like smaller groups rather than rather than engaging in a large group discussion like that, uh, the, some of those conversations might be better one on one or or, you know, very small group.
2: Well, I know that a lot of families like they enjoy the, the conversation. Right. And that sounds like kind of what you're describing. Maybe I was thinking of that wrong where they're they're maybe not. They're they're willing to get into it, right?
1: Oh yeah. We, we we'll do a lot of political talk or whatever, and then uh-huh. you you know, someone's on one side, someone's on the other, and you're just going yeah. at it, you know, and it and it's fun. But when it turns to religion, you're it's outnumbered. More personal.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, and you're more defensive. I you're mean that's defensive, your, yep. your post-uh life worldview, you know, you can't rock that. It really does come down to what you believe about the afterlife, I think. And I sometimes I think, okay, there's this thing I call the Mormon lizard brain. I have experienced it in other people where you can be talking and then maybe you'll say something that you don't realize what you really said. And if you're talking to, you know, a faithful member, this lizard brain will kick in and to defend themselves, it'll just spit out something fairly hateful, you know, because Mm -hmm. you're maybe rocking their worldview and what you're saying. I think of an example where Tom, and I think I've told this before, my husband, Tom went um, to a geological site. It was like a waterfall and whatever. And the, the marquee clearly said, this is, you know, several million years old. Right. And so he's reading it with his faithful Latter-day Saint sister. And he's like, look at this. This is amazing. And look at that. And she goes, that's not real. That's not true. It's not that old. Nope. Not, Hmm. you know. And he was like, you're talking about lizard brain, you know, that had attacked her view. She can't even entertain it. It just, so, To me, if you kind of understand that these things that may seem hateful or hurtful or, or just completely like, why are you closing your brain off? It's, it's just kind of this innate reaction that protects you. And I think we all have that. Maybe not church in different things where you just have to say, I can't hear that. I believe, you know, in order for me to maintain my equilibrium, I have to keep thinking this, you know, so maybe be aware of those in yourself and respect in others that they have that. So, and at that point, I think you go, I, I will not engage you anymore because that has kicked in and that's it's a drop the mic moment, right? It kind mm-hmm. of is. And and that happens. It sounds like maybe that's in your family land and what you're talking about. They drop the mic and that's it. Yep. Discussion's yep. over. Yep. So I don't know. <laughs>
1: and, and sometimes just, we just turn to the old stop by, drop the presents and say, we got to go. <laughs> 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 just avoid the whole thing.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking of something that it's interesting I don't know. Like I, I think about family conversations and stuff and I don't know. I think everyone is pretty good at having those discussions for the most part. Um, yeah, I think it just kind of depends on, I think you, you can probably get better at it. Right. So that if they're saying something, it's not a reflection on you anymore. Right. Cause right. one thing that I've kind of learned with, I, I, I'm not going to take their baggage, right? If someone thinks poorly of me for a bad reason, that's not my problem, right? Like, I think that happens in politics too, even. Like, people make some assumption about you and they're wrong. That's their problem. It's not my problem to, like, defend myself all the time. Like, I know I'm doing my best and that's the best I can do, right? Like, I don't know. Um no, and yeah. I think that's
0: something you have to learn to do because your first yeah. reaction is, oh, I didn't do that. I'm not, what are you saying? You know, you want to defend, but then you have to realize, you know, that's what they're thinking. That's not me. It isn't me. Yeah. <laughs> so just to keep the peace, I guess. So, wow, that is, it's very interesting. So um, yeah. if you had to sort of, I don't know, give your hope for Post Mormons as they're navigating the Christmas and holiday season, what would you what would you hope in these these situations that they're facing? We talked to um Steve Pinecker earlier today and he said something interesting. He said, when you feel alone, you're very much more likely not to be able to have these conversations in a positive way because you feel attacked. When you feel you have community in some way, you know, just people on your side, even if it's online, even if it's a book club, if you just feel heard in other areas, you're you're maybe able to say okay this is the conversation I'm having now it's not necessarily my people I'll try but I do have you know a community so so I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about what you think of that idea I thought it was it was really good and maybe just what would your hope be for some of these you know as we're trying to navigate this going into the next month what would you hope to see for people
2: on both sides right well I guess my biggest hope was that it would would be that everyone could have a good time, right? Like everyone can gather together, enjoy each other's company, enjoy like um enjoy their tr- their family traditions, their meals and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, so that you can that you can leave uplifted and not drained, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, holidays in themselves, holiday parties and stuff can be draining anyway. <laughs>
0: Just differences, a difference divide on top of that. And yeah, yeah. (laughs) storming out, I'm taking my fruitcake. I'm going. Well,
1: yeah, that's actually a a good point. Because, you know, we talk about family, the family dynamic, but also, especially in in Utah area, the Mormon corridor, uh, you may work with a lot of members, and now Mm -hmm. you're going to a work party. And you don't necessarily have the same standards that they have seen in the past, you may say, I'm okay drinking that drink, you know, the company's buying a drink, I'm taking it or, you yeah. know, I want, I want a cup of coffee or whatever. Right. And yet you're out in front of those people. And and all of a sudden, that can be a, you know, a little bit of trigger too as you as you run into those situations over the holidays, because you tend to socialize more over the holidays than you do at other times of the year. So it might be noticed more.
2: That's true. Yeah. To drink or not to drink. Um. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and then you're mad if you're in a social setting and you're like, I can't believe I can't just because someone will see me. You know, I'm an yeah. adult. I'm going to do it. It's a big mental argument you sometimes have with yourself or you're like, oh, yeah. what, are the, what do I what can I lose? What can I get? You know, there's that whole little tightrope that you're on. So it's
2: true. Do you know what bugs me the most about that situation is that I don't think there is one right answer. Like it depends on where you're at and it depends on, uh, it depends, it, it, it really depends on each person. Like I think that that bothers me the most with relationships too is like, I wish there were just some rule book that I could hand out to people or I could have that would tell me exactly all the things that I need to do to keep relationships good And It's a, it's, it's a, there isn't, but I do think, I I definitely do think that there are things we can practice to make it so that we're the ones that are easier to get along with. Like, I do believe that that's a thing. Um, And that's what I would, I would, I would, I would give people hope that they are in control of their life more than sometimes maybe they give themselves credit for. Like, I think you do have more control than you think. Um, so,
1: yeah, I, I think you have to weight that relationship and say that, that person doesn't mean that much to me. I'll go <laughs> ahead and do that. This person does yeah. mean a lot to me. I need to consider, you know, how my, what I do might affect them. And, and I want to be a little more careful about that. So I think you definitely have to weigh the relationship to determine you know how you come out, or how you have a discussion on that stuff.
2: Yeah, and I think any, any, really, any relationship is kind of a negotiation, right? Like you kind yeah. of have to negotiate stuff. So for sure. And I think sometimes we think things matter to people more than they really do, because mm-hmm. um, we're projecting onto them what we thought mattered, and then we find out they probably really don't care. Um,
0: um, that
2: that's a thing. I think
0: that is the thing. Have what are your thoughts on um, setting up boundaries ahead of time? I've had some people say, "Oh, you know." I make sure that my parents know that we're not going to do this or we're not, you know, our family won't do, you know, kind of, I mean, I can see the pros and cons of that. Maybe in some cases, that's the only way that you're going to be able to navigate going to someone's house for the holidays that you will set up, you know, boundaries. Of course, I don't know. I I've think had say They won't come over because I have a coffee maker. That's their boundary, but mm. why can't I have my coffee maker? <laughs> I
2: mean, So it does go both ways. It does go both ways. Yeah. I, I know that I've, I've definitely, I've heard stories where it's like, can I, can I, um, bring my coffee? And the answer is, well, no, because yeah. grandma might smell it, Yeah, <laughs> you well, know, so it's, it's not even right. that they care. It's that they're or can I have my, other my people my partner are smell it.
0: sleep over, you know, at your head. No, you cannot because right. you're not, you know, there's so many different situations where I guess it's a boundary negotiation, but sometimes yeah. there's no way, there's no way. And then you may lose something if you're not willing to concede something. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I think boundaries are probably wise. And I think another thing, if you're wondering if that was the right boundary to set, just, I think it's okay to revisit them too. So maybe, like, maybe you have a boundary where you're not ready to talk about church stuff and you need space and you can just let people know, Hey, I don't want to talk about church stuff, if that's okay. Right. And then talking. maybe later down the road, you are willing to talk about it and you can just, I don't know, sometimes bluntness isn't that bad. Like my grandma found out that I was having problems with the church. I think that's how she worded it. Through the grapevine. I wasn't planning on telling my grandparents for the same reason that you don't want to tell your parents, Rebecca. And I mean she's they're older and I just didn't feel like it mattered uh what that they, it didn't change our interact my interactions with them. And so I just didn't bring it up with her. But she found out about it and it actually wasn't that bad of a conversation. She was very matter-of-fact about it, and I was too, and it just it was fine. Like <laughs> she you know, she bore a testimony to me and it was kind of cool to learn that story because she'd never told that to me before. And I don't know. I don't, I don't think we should, we, I try not to get offended when people tell me about something that's really important to them. And I just remember this is really important to them and that's okay. Um, I do think the church can be very transformative for people that is their spiritual home and that's okay. It's not mine anymore. Um, or at least if it is, uh, it's residual. Right. So I don't
1: know. Sometimes I think you have to look back and just remember I was there too.
2: Yeah.
1: I was that person too. Um, so I understand it. And you try to, you know, it's not easy by any means. Sometimes you can be hurt, but, uh, you you say, I don't think they intended that, or I know where that's coming from. Uh, Sometimes I, I look at my mom and I say, she's coming from a place of love when she keeps trying to get me back into the church, because she sees that as I want him to be with me. So I try to see that as she's coming at me from a place of love, even though we can't talk very much because we, we end up doing that. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I really appreciate that. That's, I feel like that's very, very true. And um, it also at the same time hurts when, there seems to be this barrier that you can't get rid of too. Yeah. Right. Like um, I had this thought about just how you acting in a way that is, you want the best for someone I think can update their beliefs. You know, they might believe that for example, you can't be a good person unless you're a member or you can't be a good person if you leave and your continual relationship with them can update that belief of theirs. They're going to go, Oh wow. Landon, really hasn't changed in the ways that it matters. He is still, he's still kind, he's still caring. You know, like he hasn't changed in the way that matters. So it turns out that good people can leave the church. And then they might go, oh, maybe... He can do more good outside the church than the church. I don't know, like right.
0: Yeah. Saying, I come we home with to be a, a missionary. Missionary on <laughs>
1: arm,
0: <laughs> <and> a... <laughs> we have to be missionaries. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. By like being ourselves, I think that's great. So, yeah. no, I think this has been a really uh productive conversation, and you know, of course, we have no answers, right? That's what we I arrived know. at. But, but, and every situation is different. But really good suggestions, I think. So, uh Landon Jiminy, last thoughts, and then Marty Lynn, last thoughts, and then we'll probably end here. I think it's been wonderful. Yeah. I,
1: I think what you said is, is true. There are, there are no answers. I wish we could push the easy button and and say, this is what it is, but it's having a conversation, thinking through things and thinking how you're going to handle it is really all you can do. And then, and then sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not, it's going to backfire on you, but uh, you know, you have a plan. Sometimes you're scared, but you, you, you decide how you're going to approach it. And then you, you go and approach it that way. And and hopefully the best uh, comes out of it. So,
2: Yeah. Uh, I think my last thought, I guess, is don't set up the person you want a good relationship with up for failure. So my best example of this is um, sometimes you're like, why won't they ask? I can't believe they're not even asking why I left. Right. And then on the other hand, you have this other idea of why won't they just give me space? And so you could think of a situation where they're failing no matter what they didn't come and ask, or they're asking me too much. Right. So I think just trying to frame it in a way where you're trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Like if you, I think if you really want a relationship with someone, you can start with the olive branch. And most of the time, I I can't think of a situation where it hasn't been given back to me. So I, um, I do have hope that people for the most part will reciprocate. So
0: yeah. Oh, I love that. Yep. So it's positive. We're we're hopeful and we're positive that things will go well. So um one last time, tell us the name of your podcast, where we can find it. It is a wonderful podcast, everybody. Please take a listen. So let us know that.
2: Uh yeah. So it's called Where Will You Go. And I believe you can find it in any podcast app. Um, and then it's also on YouTube under Mormon Discussions, and there's it has its own playlist. So Mormon discussions has like marriage on a tightrope, Mormonism live. Uh, there's a bunch of new ones. I'm trying to think of all of them.
0: And that that's Bill Reels like Bill kind Riel's of yeah. umbrella, I'm isn't umbrella. it? So there's like Mormonism live and Radio Free Mormon, yeah. and all that in there. Yeah, so a lot of good stuff. So yeah, excellent. And
2: yeah, mine is mine's on there. And yeah. I I'm I if you want to come and hear something that you disagree with, you can come to my channel and you will hear it because. I step on all the sacred cows. <laughs>
1: Ooh,
0: well, she's thrown down the gauntlet, everybody. There, there it is,
2: Marty, So if you want to practice staying in the room of difference, I'm sure you could come to my channel and listen.
0: Yeah, find or <laughs> flight. We do get that every once in a while, don't we? So oh, this has been a wonderful discussion and hopefully it's been helpful for everybody as we're, as yeah. we're headed the holidays and you know i think the point is love we love our friends we love our relatives and they love us and so there are ways to make it work i think so all right well everybody you can find us on youtube we are mormonish um we also have a facebook presence um where we discuss the different episodes we're on instagram we're on all the major podcasts so like and subscribe and find us and comment and let us know the strategies that you have found that work for you as you're navigating the holidays or anytime when you're talking to families across difference divides. I love that phrase. That's going to be my new phrase, a difference (laughs) divide. So all right, everybody, uh, happy holidays, and we will see you again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.